This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning, Celebration Church. Why don't you stand with me? Let us recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to be here with you guys this morning. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. We've got the flu going through our house. Kind of forgot about the flu. (laughs) Ah, ha, ha. There you are. So I was watching it hit like kid one, kid two, kid three. It's like playing a game of Russian roulette. And it got me uh, yesterday. So it, it hit me. And I can be honest, I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning and I thought that there's no way I was going to make it. And Becky dusting off that, <laughs> told her to dust off her emergency message in case she needed to get up there and speak for me. Um, but thankfully, when I woke up this morning, it had, the fever had broken a little bit and it wasn't so bad, you know. And today's message is sponsored by Vicks Dayquil. So this is, this is great. This will be a fun time. Made it through the first service. I assume I said something good. I don't know. <laughs> God, speak through me. Amen. Well, this time in our service, we want to pause and take time for our offering. Um, now, you can uh, give online by going to celebrationchurch.tv slash give. You can give on there. You can give on the app. Uh, if you are giving check or cash, you can put that in the offering envelope and uh, put it in the baskets as you leave this morning. We thank you guys for your continued faithfulness, uh, supporting the ministry here at the church, and uh, thank you guys for that. Now, <clears throat> before we jump into our message, I, I do want to pause and just talk about, as I'm sure most of us are aware, the war that uh, Putin has declared on Ukraine. Um, a little, a little crazy, a little surreal uh, for me. You know, I mean, I always, I read about wars in Europe, and <laughs> you learn about them. 
uh, kind of thought that we, that we were done with that, you know, and that uh, we were past that. And so to see that in modern day for a sovereign country like Ukraine to just be attacked is crazy. And then I started, started thinking about and I started remembering, you know, we, we can see uh, uh, people who jump in our streams and watch us at the church. We can see where they come from. And I remember, like, there's people from the Ukraine that pop out and join with us. I said, man, think about that for a second. <laughs> someone who joins together with us at a church can't join together with us because someone is, their, their city is under attack, their country's under attack. It is nuts thinking. I, I, I tell you what, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I, <clears throat> again, I don't know what else is gonna play out with that, but what I did wanna do is just pause and take a moment and let's just pray for Ukraine this morning. I mean, I mean these are... Uh, people there, just humans who shouldn't have to go through this, <laughs> not to mention the brothers and sisters in Christ who are there this morning unable to gather together in a service and worship because of the threat of uh, violence and war that's going on in their country. Would you please bow your heads with me? Dear God, we pray for the people of Ukraine, the people of Russia, for their countries and their leaders. We pray for all those who are afraid that your everlasting arms hold them in this time of great fear. We pray for all those who have the power over life and death that they will choose for all people life and life in its fullness. We pray for the leaders on the world stage that they are inspired by the wisdom and courage of Christ. Lord, give our world's leaders the courage to do the right things, to stand up against evil. Above all, Lord, today we pray for peace for Ukraine. We ask this in the name of your blessed Son. Pray in your mercy. Amen. All right. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 28. And this is the portion of scripture that talks about the transfiguration of Jesus, um, which I think feels very appropriate this morning because I feel like I sort of transformed when I jump on my cold medicine. I feel a very different person. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, it's like I, maybe I'm dreaming. I don't quite know. It's like you're all here and I, can I fly right now? I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> so it's, it's exciting. I'm excited to hear what I'm going to say. This is good. Now, the, uh, the transfiguration, now this uh, transfiguration, it means to transform. It's transfiguration is not just a class taught by Professor McGonagall at Hogwarts School of Magic. Uh, yeah. All my Harry Potter fans out there, okay. Uh, it, it means to transform. You were one thing, now you're another, you know? It's like the old Transformer. You guys remember the Transformer cartoons in the 80s? More than meets the eye, Transformers. Robots in disguise, Autobots. No, just kidding. I could probably go through and do the whole jingle, but <laughs> this, is a, this is a very important uh, part here um, for Jesus and for the, his disciples that are with him. Uh, he takes the th his three closest guys, Peter, James, and John. And this is sort of a moment in Jesus' Jesus's ministry where 
he's about ready now really to set his eyes on Jerusalem and, you know, finish what it is that he came here to do, which is to ultimately, you know, die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected again and defeat sin and death. And uh, so we'll, we'll pick up here in verse 28. Um, and and it's, first thing it says here, in about eight days after Jesus said this, so we'll back up and say, well, what did he just say? <laughs> uh, so just before this is when, um, this is the moment when Peter had his little moment of, his epiphany moment. You know, Jesus comes to the disciples and, and he's, he says, you know, who, so who are people saying that I am? And they're like, well, they say you're this guy or that guy. And then he's like, okay, well, who, who do you guys say I am? And that's where Peter says, you're the Christ, you're Messiah. And Jesus says, yeah, this was revealed to you by God. You know, this is sort of Peter's epiphany of he's starting to understand who Jesus really is. And then Jesus goes on to explain what it is he's gonna do, what's his mission here, you know, and how he's going to uh, die on the cross. And he talks to the disciples about even you guys and your mission, you're gonna have to basically lay down your lives, pick up your crosses. And, you know, they're hearing this, they're not (laughs) quite fully understanding it, but he ends right, right, right before in verse 27, he says, truly I tell you, some of some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And so he says all this stuff for him. And then a week later, that's where we pick up here. It says about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and he went up onto the mountain to pray. Now he says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Now, I don't know exactly what it means by the appearance of his face changed. I mean, it, you know, I guess it could, something maybe it's just because it was glowing. You know, we see this even in the Old Testament when Moses went up into the mountain and he's talking to God and when God gives him the commands, you know, it says like his face was shining. So maybe that, that's what that means. I don't know, maybe it, <laughs> did he literally have a different face? I, I don't know. Uh, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. So here it is. There's this transformation that is happening uh, here in him as he begins to pray. Uh, which, by the way, it's a, it's a fun little study to go through too and, and uh, read about all the times when Jesus prays. You know, they kind of go, go through it quickly here. Um, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. He gets away a lot to pray. Sometimes, bless you. Sometimes you'll see before uh, he does miracles, he prays right before he feeds the thousands, he sits and he prays. Sometimes after uh, a big miracle happens, he gets away and he prays. Um, but anyway, it, here he prays and something really happens, a change happens. And then it says that in verse 30, it says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus and they spoke about his departure. So he's praying, not only does he change, he starts glowing like a light bulb, but then two uh, dead guys, like he's, you know, the sixth sense, I see dead people. You know, these, these dead folks are, are there with him, chatting with him. Um, I guess you could argue Elijah never died because he was taken up in a whirlwind, but everyone's pretty sure that Moses died. Uh, but these two guys all of a sudden just appear and they're chatting with him about his departure. Now, what, what they mean by, by Jesus' departure, some translations say his exodus, is it's talking about 
what he's about to do, how he's going to die on the cross, uh, you know, conquer sin and death and be resurrected again. And so Jesus knows what he has to do and he's sitting there and he's praying about it and here Moses and Elijah pop up and are chatting with him about it, which is kind of insane. And it's a, it's a, it's a big thing about, especially for Peter, James, and John, right? We're gonna see that they uh, kind of pop up awake and they sort of see what's going on. But the fact that Moses and Elijah, are there, that's huge for these guys. You know, in the Jewish culture, I mean, these two are like the two big rock stars. You have Moses is the guy, this is the guy who wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, which is basically, that's their Bible, that's their rule book. Uh, the laws and the rituals that the Jewish people follow are the things that Moses wrote down. Um, and then you have Elijah, he represents the prophet, the power of God, the amazing miracles, the things that happened. Um, I mean, just before this, when Jesus was asking, who do they think I am? Some people thought maybe you're Elijah, <laughs> you know, uh, because of the miracles that he was doing. So these two guys are, they're very key and central in the Jewish uh, tradition, and it's, it's a big deal here. And, and you'll see that it kind of messes even with Peter as they see this, because in verse 32, it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Uh, I gotta admit, I probably would be in Peter's camp here. Um, but when they became fully awake, he says, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving, it's Moses and Elijah were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then Luke, being nice, makes a little comment here saying, he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> and the reason he's being nice and saying he did not know what he's saying is because what Peter is basically saying here is that you've got Moses, this rock star, Elijah, this rock star, and Jesus, wow, we got these three rock stars. He kind of puts them all on the same level because he doesn't quite, it's like, this <laughs> again, where looks like he didn't know what he was saying. He was sleepy, I don't know. But what's interesting about this, just a week ago, Peter had the revelation, no, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. And yet here he's saying, you're just like these two guys. And God corrects him here, <laughs> as you'll see in verse 34. It says, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Now a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen, listen to him. In other words, God is saying, listen, this, these three guys, they're not the same. Jesus is my son. I have chosen him. There's something different about him. See, Jesus isn't just a good guy. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a guy who brings us good rules to follow like Moses or Elijah. He is the son of God. He is fully man, he is fully God. And we kind of get the image here, this is what Peter, James, and John are seeing, is they're seeing through this transfiguration, all of a sudden they're seeing Jesus as like, whoa, this, there's something different about this guy. He's not just man, there's something different. And it says, uh, when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. 
And the disciples kept to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. <laughs> I'm sure because that was a very jarring moment for them. Um, but the, <clears throat> the thing here is, is, as I was reading this, I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. You get a, sort of a glimpse into how what's going on here is beneficial for Jesus, right? Because he's about to go on this exodus, his journey of what he has to do. And so as he's praying, you know, he's able to chat it through and get encouragement, I'm sure, from Moses and Elijah. But then you get to see it from Peter, James, and John's perspective of how beneficial it is for them because they're getting a glimpse into it. As Jesus had said a week before, uh, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. They're getting a glimpse into the kingdom of God. And this serves them well because Peter, James, and John go on to be three of the main guys who go on to take the gospel all over the world. Which, by the way, is kind of crazy when you think about it. You know, Jesus came, he came to conquer sin and death, die, be resurrected again, change the whole game, bring forgiveness for those of us who could never do anything to make, it, make ourselves right with God. And then he takes off and he leaves taking this message and sharing it to everyone else, to us. He leaves it to these guys. He leaves it to humanity to share the gospel. And you see that these guys do go on uh, to, to really completely change history here by sharing the message of what Jesus had done. And so what happens here is something that they can carry on with them. They can always look back to this and say, no, no, we, we know this was the Son of God because this is one of the things we've had. Now, uh, see, now I, I, don't, I don't know if those of you who, uh, here who you've, maybe you've had a moment like that in your life or a mountaintop moment where you've really experienced God, where it's been so real you couldn't deny it. Um, for a lot of people it happens, you know, at your, um, really the time when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you have sort of that conversion moment. Um, Others have, I've, I've heard people just feeling it when they've been in, out in nature and gotten away and whatever, and they just, boom, the presence of God hit them. Um, I know, you know, even for, you know, my, my dad hearing his story of conversion, he was a pot-smoking hippie, you know, uh, and someone talked about Jesus and just, boom, just something hit inside of him. Um, for me, it was uh, after a car accident that I'd gotten into, um, maybe heard me tell the story, you've heard my dad tell it. He usually really likes to emphasize the fact that I totaled his car. Uh, <laughs> and he always says, my BMW is BMW. It was like a used BMW that was worth like $3,500, if that, okay. So, but I did uh, park it into a tree going 60 miles per hour, so that, that is true. And now, while I grew up in the church and, and I was fortunate enough to, to, to grow up hearing the... Uh, the way that I'm supposed to live and, 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 and hearing the, the commands of God in my life and knowing that Jesus loved me and all, all those things. I grew up with everything. I, I knew the stuff. But there still comes a time in your life, right, where you have to, this is going to be my faith and I'm going to choose it. And at this time in my life, I kind of was, you know, I wasn't really taking any of this God stuff seriously and just sort of doing whatever I wanted. And um, when I got in that car crash, I remember coming to, um, I remember the, the engine was sitting like next to me. 
which I don't think that's where it was supposed to be. Uh, I remember just, you know, you kind of see the smoke and the tree branches and stuff, and there's a couple of people with me, and you're just like, everyone's still there. And it was, I, I felt, at the same time, I felt an extreme calm in me. Very, just, it was like, very just, I used the word sober. I wasn't drunk, I didn't really, but, but this, this sober-minded, this, this, this calmness, this just peace that kind of hit me. And, and, and the first thing I remember was the two people were in, that were in there kind of came to, looked around, and I said, uh, let's pray. And I've never prayed with these people before in my life, but after that, uh, them kind of coming to, I think they were very open to any suggestions of prayer. <laughs> and, and we did, and I, and I just remember praying. And it, it was like, I just knew I needed, I needed God at them. We need to pray. And I remember going through, and of course, this is when I called my dad, and I told him, hey, I totaled the car. Of course, I was, had this calmness, this peace in me that I sounded so normal, like I'm talking to you all right now. And so he didn't really believe me. <laughs> So I said, we're going to the hospital. He, of course, drives to go check out the car first. Um, and then <laughs> once he saw the car, he was like, what? And then he books it to the hospital because he thought, I must have been in shock or something and beaten up. I, I don't know. I don't know how, obviously, a miracle from God. God saved me from something there. I, I didn't have as much of a headache after that, uh, that thing. But... I remember that peace just kind of hanging with me. And I remember the, very, the next day I got up and I'm just sort of sitting in my room. And I remember I'm just staring. I'm still just kind of shell-shocked a little bit, right? And my dad came in just checking in on me. And then he's like, you know, Phil, sometimes God can use things like this to get a hold of us or to, to speak something to us. I forget exactly the words that he used. And right when he said that, as soon as he said that, it was like something clicked in my brain. And I could tell that that peace that I was feeling, that, that, that something was in there, that that was God. And I was immediately convicted in that moment <laughs> and realized, man, I, I haven't been doing the right things. I know, but I know better. I could have died there. My, mor- my mortality hit me, you know, which is tough to know your own mortality when you're 17 because you think you're going to live forever and you're invincible. But... It was like at that moment, I started to make right decisions. It was like a little bit easier for me because I, I felt so close to God that it was like, I need to start living this way. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I even remember, uh, you know, that Sunday, you know, uh, going up on the altar and just falling on my knees like, I need you, God. And I started changing the way I acted at school. Um, I was... I would get in trouble a lot. I liked to talk, usually when I wasn't supposed to, make jokes in class. Um, spent a lot of time in the principal's office. Vice principal and I were good buddies. And uh, I started kind of changing, changing the way that I was acting. I remember teachers even coming and saying, well, you've really matured this year. And I remember just laughing, thinking, I haven't matured at all. <laughs> all the truth, I hadn't. I don't know if I still have, <laughs> 30 years later. But... What I knew it was is they're seeing the result of me living rightly. And that's all that it was. You know, now, uh, as time went on, that feeling what, waned a little bit, right? And life gets busy and you start growing up and things change. And 
Well, I can look back at that and I know that that was God. I don't always feel that same way all the time. Now, if I want to feel that way, I, I could think, well, okay, I need to borrow my dad's car and drive it into a tree at 60 miles per hour. <laughs> but I would be thinking wrong in that, right? And <laughs> it's funny because you even see, you know, with when Peter here, when he says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. It was like, let's hang here. Everyone's here. Everyone's here. Let's hang. And we'll do that sometimes in our life, right? We'll, we'll feel God in a certain way. And we think, oh, we need to hang here. That's what we need to go back to. But I think the thing for me, I know, when I went through my experience was it was understanding that in that moment, I really understood I needed God. And, you know, I think this is such a great example, too, of what we go through when we go through the season of Lent as a church. Now, I don't know if you who here joins with us in that. Uh, it's certainly not a requirement. Um, but when you join in the season of Lent, there's something beautiful in that. Now, what is funny, because the season is all about us realizing our own mortality and <laughs> we're all gonna die. Um, but in that, what, what the idea is in there is sort of realizing that we need God. And what we do is we'll fast something you know, um, and it's not just so that you can, you know, say, ooh, look at me, I was strong enough to not have chocolate for 40 days or, you know, uh, and it's not just a weight loss thing, um, you know, not just a diet, but you, you give up something, sometimes food, sometimes social media, it could be whatever it is, and the idea is when you give up something like that, every time there's that thing inside of you that says, ooh, I want that, ooh, I really want that, you remember, wait a second, God, I want you more and I need you more. And it's a time when we push into prayer more. It's a time of our lives of just preparing ourselves. And so as, as we move into this uh, next season in the church calendar here with Lent, we'll, we'll actually be getting together. Obviously, we've got this Wednesday uh, with Ash Wednesday, and then we'll be getting together every Wednesday um, here at the church. We'll have a time of worship and a, sh a short little uh, message on, um, a Lenten message, and then we'll break and have soup and things of that nature afterwards. And uh, I encourage you guys to, to join with us in that, to, to connect with us in this time of Lent and to sort of make that declaration in your life that, yes, God, I need you. <laughs> and maybe you can, you yourself, you look back at a time where you know, man, I felt the closest to God at this moment, or or I remember I really saw God move in my life at this moment, but it's, it's been a while. This, I think this is a great time to just sort of set and remember, God, I know you're real. I know you're here. I know you love me. And I'm just going to take some time to uh, pull something out of my life so that I can make more room for you in my life. And I believe that you uh, can do something amazing in there. We've heard some cool testimonies over the years of doing it. I know I've done it. I didn't grow up um, doing Lent. I, um, I was a non-denominational charismatic kid. Uh, didn't do Lent or anything like that. I was at a church where it was more likely some guy gets up and just starts running laps around the church. Like that literally happened. Just imagine just right now, just some guy gets up and just starts running laps around the church. Matt, Matt remembers. <laughs> it's just like, what's going on here? So didn't understand Lent so much when I started going into it. That was something them Catholics did. I didn't know. Uh, started understanding it and started connecting in with it and started realizing 
uh, why I was doing this and making room for God in my life, it was a beautiful thing to me. I, I really loved it. It's now one of my more favorite times uh, of the year um, because it's just a cool thing to join together as a church and focus on that. So I encourage you guys to join with us in there. All right, now as we uh, close up here and we head into our time of communion, the ushers can get ready. Um, in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So with those words in mind, let us now bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Now, as your heads are still bowed, if you're here and you've never really even made that commitment to follow Christ. You've never had that conversion moment where you've confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. I just encourage you as the band plays and as the community gets passed out, just to, in your own words, ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Amen.